Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 10 with our guest, Anmol Singh. On today's episode... I can start working out right now. I can work out five hours today. Doesn't mean I'm going to get back in shape in one, hour, you know, in one day. It's a constant process. And to be able to follow a constant process, discipline is the most important thing ever. Because without discipline, I mean, there's nothing's going to happen. You can have all these great plans. You can do the visualization. You can do the meditation. You can journal a whole life's plan. But if you don't have discipline on actually following through on that, it all falls apart. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Self-discipline. We all want an ideal life for ourselves, right? So how do we actually get that? How do we make that happen? You ask anyone what they want, and you know they're going to paint this beautiful grand vision for themselves, but too often, we never come close to that reality. Why in the world is that? And honestly, as the saying goes from Napoleon Hill, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. True words, no doubt. So where do we fall short with those extraordinary dreams we have for ourselves? Well, as you know, to achieve anything, it takes action, right? You can make progress by simply taking action. You can't make progress simply by thinking about something or visualizing your path. Now, while that's an important step in the process... It's only part of the process. The other big piece of the puzzle is action. Without consistent action, nothing gets accomplished. And here's the weird, odd, tricky, interesting thing. The truth, if you will. Nobody likes to do something they don't like to do. Sometimes you do something because you have to do it. And sometimes you do something because you like to do it. I think that's really where self-discipline comes into the mix. Do I like to get up at 6 a.m. every day and work out? Not usually. But on the other hand, I'm excited to do it because of the outcome that that provides me. 
See, if you can focus on the reason behind your actions and not really focus on the action itself, but really what the action produces, what that result gives you, what you're going for, focus on the outcome it will provide. And that might help a little bit. In the arena, I know we can all use a helping hand with self-discipline. So important to your goals, so important to your journey. I know this dialogue with Anmol Singh will help. Here we go. And hello there to you. Welcome in to the studio. Hashtag my favorite time of the day. Look at that on-air button doing its thing. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get right to it. My guest today, my goodness, he's the author of the upcoming book, Prepping for Success, 10 Keys for Making It. I'd love to know about some of those keys. I always want to be able to prep for success. He's also the founder of LiveTraders.com, which is a company that was voted the number one trading education firm three years running not too shabby. This is certainly a world that I am not terribly familiar with, but I am excited to have all these dots connected. Please help me welcome our guest today. Look at that. It's Anmol Singh. How you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Let's get right into it. Absolute pleasure, by the way, to finally meet you and be here with you. So like I said, I'm, I'm admittedly not terribly schooled in the trading stock brokering world. Tell me in, in your words, what do you do? So I, what I do every day is I trade um, stocks and currencies for a living. So you're basically betting on, okay, where the future price is going to be. So if I buy it here and if I sell it here, you know, that's my margin that I make. Um, so that's what I do every day is just uh, trading uh, trying to trade stocks and get little moves in them. And then apart from that, I uh, teach others how to do that for themselves. So we have courses and seminars. And then, you know, we basically trade live every day. And people come in and they uh, tune into the broadcast where we share our screens every day. So before this interview, I was just actually doing that. I was trading for my subscribers. And then now I'm here doing the interview with you. It's absolutely fascinating. And I know you're considered one of the leading experts in the trading psychology space, and you've helped thousands of traders all over the world deal with, as you put it, the psychological and behavioral issues that arise when high stakes are on the line. What does all that mean? What are some of those psychological and behavioral issues? Sure. So, you know, a lot of people come into trading and they think it's speculation, it's gambling, where it's not. It, could be, it couldn't be further from that. You know, trading is very statistical. It has its little methods, it has its probability, and we as traders are basically executing on our system. For most people, what they have is they either have overconfidence from their prior career when they come into trading. Maybe they sold a company, now they want to trade. Maybe they were successful as lawyers or doctors and now they come in. So they think, okay, if I can do that, I mean, this is going to be easy. It's going to be a piece of cake. And it's, it's not like that. And some of the other issues people have is, you know, the biggest emotions that move the market, fear and greed. You know, those are the basic two emotions that cause the market either go up or down. Either there's more free, uh, fear or there's more greed. Um, and learning how to control that is the biggest aspect. You know, someone might be down in a trade and his plan says, okay, 
take your little loss there and move on to the next trade. But they keep on holding on. They're like, no, it's going to come back. Maybe they buy more. No, no, it's going to come back. Let me get my average down. And in so doing, they cut, make a smaller loss into a bigger one. So it's learning when to just accept the loss, move on to the next trade, and not just hold on to a losing trade. And also on the winning side, if you are, you have a target in mind for a stock, you buy it at 30, you said, okay, if it goes to 35, I want to take my profit and get out. If it gets to 35, you're like, well, maybe I should hold on for a little bit more. You know, maybe I can get 37. And then you just break your whole plan and then you break your uh, psychology, you know, because you're not following through on what your trading plan suggests. And a trading plan is like a business plan for business, trading plans for your trading. So what does someone like you do, let's say someone like me who's trying to get into this or into it and can use your help on the personal traits and qualities side of things, what are you going to help me really do or adjust? Right. So the first thing we do is we actually teach them how the markets work. You know, why are the stocks uh, move the way they do, why they go up, why they go down. And we teach some patterns and strategies that have a set success rate. So it might have a 55% success rate. So if you take, let's say, 100 trades, 55 of them are going to win. You're gonna, so you're going to lose on 45 of them. All right? So learning how to be okay with losing 45 of them, but as long as you're winning 55 of them, you're going to end up profitable. So you know, we teach you strategies and tactics that have a higher than 50 60% win rate. right? And then we try and get, let's say, two to one on our winners. So let's say if you're risking a thousand bucks on a losing trade, then on a winning trade, we should make in 2000. So it's like playing the odds. So what I do is I teach them the model that works every single month for us. Might not work every single day, but works every single month. So we teach that model and then your goal is to follow that model. Now, some people just take me for my word and they follow the model and they do well. Some people can't. Then we drill down into the psychological aspects of why you're not able to follow through on something that you just paid me to teach you, right? You paid me to teach you this. I gave you that. And now you don't want to do that. Like that doesn't make any sense. So then there's some limiting beliefs, something holding them back. So I try and drill down to them, see what's causing them those issues and then try and fix it. So it doesn't happen in the future. So this is certainly something for those listening, not just to be good or successful at your profession, trading in that regard, but certainly it sounds like we're getting into lessons for an entire life and career well-lived. Is that right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I learned more about myself when I came into trading. It was like, there were so many psychological issues and everything comes out because trading is a roller coaster. And trading releases the same hormones, you know, in our brain that are excreted when we're either gambling, right? We're either, let's say, having sex, we're doing drugs. I mean, those are the same serotonin, dopamine that's secreted on those activities and the trading secretes the same hormones, right? So learning how to control that is a big thing because those hormones can really affect your thinking process. It's a very real thing. Those hormones, dopamine, serotonin, you know, I mean, the research shows that trading secrets the same hormones that cocaine does. That's why you see in the old movies, all the Wall Street people, they did excess of that to make up for it when they were not trading. So you got to learn how to control that. You know, that's a lot of dopamine every single day if you're a trader. So you learn how to control those aspects and trading will teach you more about yourself. It'll bring all your issues from your life into your trading. So learning how to leave your personal life there and then come into trading and you only do that. Just like a surgeon. You know, a surgeon, if he's going to perform surgery, he has to leave all his life's baggage outside the surgery room, you know, not take it with him when he's performing surgery. 
How important is, I know you mentioned self-control, how important is self-control or self-discipline to a successful life? 100%, you know, because if it was only about learning information, taking courses, everybody would be successful, you know, but it's not about learning, buying courses, signing up for programs. It's about actually utilizing and taking action on what you've learned. And the only way you can do that is through discipline, you know? I mean, it's as simple as that. You can, I can start working out right now. I can work out five hours today. Doesn't mean I'm going to get back in shape in one hour, you know, in one day. It's a constant process. And to be able to follow a constant process, discipline is the most important thing ever. Because without discipline, I mean, there's nothing's going to happen. You can have all these great plans. You can do the visualization. You can do the meditation. You can journal a whole life's plan. But if you don't have discipline on actually falling through on that, it all falls apart. Do you do some of those things, the meditation, the journaling, the visualization? I mean, I would love to say that I do them every day, but I don't. You know, it's one of those things that I do it when I consciously remember to do it. You know, the goal is to try and do it every day, but I would love to say I do it every day, um, but I don't. I might meditate, let's say, once a week. You know, uh, a journal. Yeah, journal I used to do every day. That was like two years ago. I used to journal every single day. Nowadays, I'm a lot more busier, so I might maybe write my goals down once a week, you know, or once a month, or I might just sit and ponder for like 10 minutes, you know, at night. That's something I do every day is just to kind of sit with myself without a TV, without the phone, and really just think, you know, what can I do? Like, what can I do? So I have a whiteboard, and if I get any idea, oh, you know what? I could contact this person to see if he's going to email his list, you know, like write down, or maybe I could contact... You know, uh, let me find out how much those direct mailers cost. You know, then I might contact that. So I write down ideas, but it's just 10 minutes to think about what you want to do and how can you get there quicker. And I think if you can write it down once a week, once a month, that's fine. You don't have to do it every day. If you can, that's even better. Though. I want to hear about the Anmol Singh as a very young child. Take us back to those days. What was it like growing up in your household? Um, it was very interesting. You know, um, I was always entrepreneurial as a kid. Like, you know, if you ask my family or my friends, they'll tell you, I was like, you know, let's say relatives were coming over, you know, my parents, friends were coming over. I used to put like a little stall, you know, at my, at my house when people would come over a little stall, just random stuff from the house. And I just put it on there and put a price on it. And just try and like sell it to people who uh, visited the house. Um, I, so I was always entrepreneurial. And even in school, I started a magazine. This was when I was like in eighth grade. It was a magazine, you know, one page was about jokes, one page was, you know, different things. It was like a 10, 20 page magazine I printed with my own printer at home and it's to take it to school and I had subscribers in school paying me like, you know, five bucks uh, for these magazines. And they, so that was great. I did that for a bit. Uh, but growing up was a little different. You know, I didn't have, um, I would say my parents weren't around as much, right? My dad was also entrepreneurial, so he was always working. He was always traveling. So I probably saw him maybe 20 days in a year. Uh, until I was uh, probably 16 or 17. So, you know, I didn't have them around, but at the same time, that kind of, I guess, unsubconsciously instilled a work ethic because I was seeing my dad always work, you know, I just saw him always go out, travel, work, work, work. And maybe that subconsciously gave me that same, uh, I guess, motivation to be, you know, working all the time. Um, So that was that. Um, And that's how I really grew up. But I always had it in me that, you know, I got to prove myself. And it's still to date, that's something that kind of still motivates me. It's like proving something to either the world or to somebody 
But uh, that's something that I've had since childhood. Always, like, I got to prove myself. And that's what I try to do every day, even now. What do you think today, expanding on that a little more, what is it exactly you are trying to prove today? Um, you know, like, um, as, as I said, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, didn't have your parents around. So you didn't really get, I guess, their um, approval. And then at the same time, in the school, I wasn't the popular kid at all, like far from it. You know, I, was, I had my little circle of friends, but then I was never a part of the big, you know, the group or the or social group at school. So I never was one of those. Uh, kids. So I always had that thing that, you know, got to be successful. And I think that's still to date, I have that. And I think that's a good thing because it keeps me pushing to the next thing. What is successful to you? So a good question. And that's actually one of the things that I uh, talk about in my upcoming book is I think true success is being successful in all areas of your life, which is health, love, wealth, happiness, everything in relationships, like all those things need to be together, you know, working for you, for you to be truly successful. Cause you can have all the money in the world, best business in the world. But what if your relationships are a mess that I wouldn't call that success? You know, what if you are again, really wealthy, but then your health's a mess. That's not success. What if you have great relationships, but you're broke and that's not success. So what success is to be, you know, at least at an area of your life in all those areas to a point where there, those areas are working for you. And not only being working for you, but you being okay with where you're at in all of those areas. Once you're okay with where you're at in all of those areas, then that's what true success is. And I also think that true success is something you aspire to. And it's not like an end goal. It's like you won't get somewhere and be like, all right, great, I'm always I'm successful now. You know, I think that's a wrong way to think about it. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. And that's why you have to constantly like prep for success, not just get there and be like, oh, great, I'm successful now. I don't consider myself truly, truly successful. Like my health, I need to work on that, you know? So it's a constant struggle and you just gotta love that journey. Where exactly did you grow up? I, I grew up in India. I grew up in Delhi, the capital of India. So I was there until I was 18. And then um, I went to study in uh, Brunel University in London. So I did uh, about four or five years there. And then I went to New York uh, in 2000. And I mean, 2014, I was kind of traveling back and forth, right? coming in, going, seeing if I really want to move to New York. Um, but then finally, in my 2014, uh, since I've been here in New York. So you were in India living there until you were 18. If I heard you correctly, you only saw your father 20 days a year. Yeah, wow. 20, 20 days a year until I was 16. Hmm. And even on those 20 days, it wasn't like we never had that um, like a close. I mean, we were close, but it wasn't like... Um, like, you know, go to the school games, none of that. Like, I had none of that. A very strict business family. And, uh, you know, it was always on, you know, what are you doing? You know, what's the results? Like, it's all about results. And uh, so that's what it's for me always. So you were, you were raised by your mother, I presume? Yeah, I mean, I was raised by my mother and um, just some helpers around the house. Um, that's about it. What, was, it a, was it a loving and nurturing environment? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It was definitely loving. I mean, I got everything I could have asked for. I mean, you know, I get, basically I got everything that I wanted to. Like if I, want, I was playing sport, I wanted to play that. They fully supported me. So one thing that I always had was if I didn't get that time, I always got the support that I needed to go anywhere I want, do anything I want. Uh, you know, I never, they never said, hey, don't do this, don't do that. They always encouraged me and supported me in everything that I wanted to do. 
So what, what allowed you to leave the house and the country at 18? What was your vision? What was your plan? Right. So my vision was like, I wanted to start fresh. You know, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't terribly happy kid, you know, growing up. So when I was 18, I, I was like, you know what? I need a fresh start. Like I need to get out of the, the state or the country where I've been in for 18 years. I need like a brand new start, a clean slate. So that's when I went to uh, London. I mean, I was probably 40 pounds heavier than I'm right now. And when I went to London, I worked out, you know, I got into great shape. Now I'm back to, you know, <laughs> getting chubby. But in London, I was like, I started fresh. I was 18, clean slate, worked out, did boxing, and I got in the best shape of my life. I basically made a lot of positive changes. And that's when I started. Uh, I was a really shy kid growing up. Like this, I wouldn't be doing before. Uh, so I took a conscious decision to put myself in uncomfortable positions, you know, sign up for business conferences and doing all that stuff while in college. I went to business conferences, speaking conferences. I went uh, and spoke to entrepreneurial clubs. I started a trading and investing society at my uh, college. So I did all those steps because I wanted to get out of my shy comfort zone of playing Xbox. I wanted to get out of that. So for me, London was like a big uh, positive change that I made. So you, I love that you said you put yourself in these quote unquote uncomfortable situations as the way to sort of throw yourself into the deep end. I, I love that. I agree with that. I find myself doing that a lot. Uh, and then you, you started a trading and investing society. How, how did you come to that industry at that point? Sure. Um, so at the university, there was an entrepreneurial society talking about business, everything else. And I said, hey, you know, can you guys teach me a little bit about how the stock market works? And they were like, oh, we don't really know. And they don't really have much about that. So I said, okay, that's interesting. So I started reading books on the second, first year of university. Started reading books about trading, articles about trading. I opened a small account, just, you know, buying some shares here and there, just playing around, really not knowing what I'm doing. But by doing that and by reading and learning, I learned about the stock market. And I found out, that a lot of other people in the entrepreneurial society were interested in something like this. So I said, you know what? I don't know much, but I know two pages more than what other people might know about, right? So let's start the Entrepreneurial and Trading Society. I started that and it was great because everybody else was keen on learning. So we got together and we became ideas. Hey, you know what? Let's watch this TV show together, you know, or let's read, uh, let's watch this YouTube clip together. And it was just a learning environment. I wasn't teaching then. I was just learning with everybody and people were like, oh, this was a great book I read by Warren Buffett. I'm like, all right, great, let's do this. And that's how the society started. Um, and it piled on from there. In the second year, by that time, I was already uh, trading. So I was, had a lot to offer. And then I started just doing these basic seminars. So I'm like, hey, here's what I learned today. And I just got and taught them. I think it's so important to, to reiterate the point you made that you – you went to the entrepreneurial people, the group there, and you, you discovered that there wasn't exactly anything being taught about the trading and investing, the stock market. So you, you brought that to the table, not really concerning yourself at that point of, am I qualified for this? You knew, like you said, I love that term, you're two pages ahead. You just knew two pages more, which I think is so important for for so many entrepreneurs who are either on a path or looking for a different path. And I know for me personally, this kept me back for so long 
I didn't think I was qualified or I was scared that I might be called out for not being qualified. You know, that's all called the imposter syndrome, which I know so many people that this just plagues and you don't, you don't have to know it all, be it all, do it all. You just have to A, have a passion, right? And B, just know a little bit more than the people you want to help. And that's where you found yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what uh, life is. I mean, you look at uh, when you're in uh, kindergarten or in uh, junior school or high school. I mean, it's not like the teachers are relatively successful people teaching you. They're great at mathematician. They work for NASA. None of that. Right? They're teachers. So they just read, read the book before you did. And now they're telling it to you. And that's what it is. I mean, same for college. I mean, most of the professors, I mean, you know, they, they're not like wildly. If I'm studying business in college, they're not like successful business owners, CEOs of multiple companies. I mean, they just read the book before you did and now they're able to teach it to you. So that's, that's life, you know, that's anything. Yeah, and I also love that you said in that trading and investing society that you founded and created there, um, you said it wasn't a teaching thing, it was a learning thing. So you, you put yourself with them, among them, no shame in that, that's brilliant. So you... You just knew a bit more than them. You had the passion and the drive to guide and lead this society wherever it can go. Uh, but together, you all learned together. And it was a success, I imagine. Yeah, it was a great success. The society still exists. I'm out of the college now. The society is still going on. And I'm happy to say I started. You know, started in uh, 2011 and 2010 and now it's still going. So what happened as you were making your way through college and now you're about to graduate? What's going on in your world then? So, you know, graduation was a time of when people start applying for placements or jobs. So, you know, you start applying because that's the next step. And then I was like, okay, great. And I'm going to do great. I'm already trading. I, I, you know, I'm already writing articles. I know a lot about this. I think I'm going to be ahead of most people there. And I started the society. So I'm like, oh, great. I got great credentials. And I was like, you know what? I'm, if, I only, if I get a job, it's going to be for the top company. So I was like, okay, let's apply. I applied Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Citibank, like all the big, big banks. And I was like, all right, it's been uh, two weeks. They said it takes about a week to get back to me. It's like two weeks now. Nobody got back. And it's three weeks now. Nobody got back. And then I realized, okay, they're not, they're not getting back. And then I said, okay, now maybe I start looking elsewhere. And I started applying for other banks and didn't get even to the smaller ones. So I was like, okay, this banking thing's out. That's done. That's not going to happen. Maybe I should go into business, marketing, something like that. I started applying for jobs there. Uh, and I almost got to, to BMW as a marketing in there. So they did a little test, got through that, phone interview, got through that, test, got through that again. And then they invited me to uh, their headquarters there. And I, was, and I thought I was the only one, but there were like 10 other people there, uh, 10 other candidates. So it was like a thing. So it was, I was there for a week. They tested you for like a week. And then there were like three people remaining. I was like, okay, great. I'm in the top three. I'm going to get it. And then it was the last day. They were like, well, unfortunately, we've picked uh, that person right there. So thanks for coming. And I was like, okay. So I had to go back and I was like, shit, like not even business, not even marketing, not finance. Like, where am I going to go? I started applying for startups. They didn't call me back either because I was maybe too dressed up. It was a startup and I went there with my suit and everything. They were in shorts. It's a very startup culture. And I was like, oh, wrongly dressed. Okay. You know, not fitting in the culture. 
they didn't call me back either. So I was like, this job thing's not working out. Like I, I'm willing to work for free. People still don't want me. I'm like, oh damn, this is, maybe this is not right. So then I was like, okay, I got to start creating something of my own. But that time was tough because my friends were already getting jobs, they were already going to work. And I was still in my dorm room. I'm like, university is over. They're going to their job. They've even moved out. And I got an extension so I can live in my dorm room for a little bit more till I figure out what's going on. And it, it was something because, you know, you would go out, they would do all these parties, congratulations to him to get this job. And everybody was throwing parties and I was just going there, like figuring out, you know, like I don't even have any money to spend right now. And then, um, you know, they knew that I was into this trading thing and they would look at you really funny. Oh, so you're still doing that trading thing? You know, how's that going for you? I was like, good from, and I, at that time I wasn't making money, so I was like, you know, it's going, it's it's getting there, it's it'll build up, and they were like, okay, and they would just chuckle, like you know, that, you know, he's not doing anything, so I I could kind of sense that, and I was like, man, I got I got to make it in this because I had no other choice, so then I you know found a mentor, he taught me, took me under his wing, I initially paid him a lot of money, and he took taught me how to trade, and then uh, I tried trading for a firm which was in New York at that time, but I was still in London. So they took me like a training program where they had like levels. Level one, we'll give you $50,000. Level two, you get 75,000. Level three, you get 75. Level four, you get 100. And you had profit targets. You make $100 a week, you move to the next level. You, the next level, the goal was you make 500 a week, you move to the next level. The next level was you make 700 a week, and it kept on going until level 10, which was $10 million. And then you gotta make like you know 10,000 bucks a week. So I joined the program and within about a year, I was one from level one to like level seven. And they were like, damn, this guy is doing pretty well. And then they initially invited me and said, hey, you know, do you want to come teach the other people at our firm? Because you've gone from level one to level seven real quick. And a lot of our people are still at level four, level three. So that's how my teaching thing started. Hmm. Uh, let me go back to uh, last year of college, trying to find your way, uh, sending out the applications and uh, trying to land a job at first the big banks, JP Morgan, et cetera, not hearing back. Then the little banks not hearing back. Looking back, why do you think that was? Um, I think for a few reasons. I mean, now I know for sure why, because I was overconfident. I did not put any effort into really crafting the CV like really nicely or really nice cover letter. And uh, you know, and even when they're online testing, you're supposed to write paragraphs, essays on things that they want you to write on. And I, I just kind of winged it, you know, written it in one go, boom, send. You know, a lot of people were preparing for that, showing their professors, is this the right way to write it? So they were really crafting it. And I, I was not, I, I've never been one of those like book smart people. Even when I give exams, in, in college and school, I just read the book a week before and I went in and gave the exam. And I always did well. So I, 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 that's the kind of learning that I like. I never want to like just memorize everything. I've never that kind of a learner. So I think I always had that entrepreneurial aspect of it, like breaking the rules, not doing everything by the book. So looking back, I think that's the best thing that could have ever happened because I'm not a employee uh, mindset. I don't have that to follow procedures. I can't. You know, I find quicker ways, shortcuts, you know, how I can get there faster. So I don't have that mindset. I've always had the mindset of, you know, improving, optimizing, tweaking. Whereas in the, you know, uh, job market, it's more about following like a set process. Was it devastating 
yeah, devastating for sure. Because one of the, after four years, for, for six months, I had to go back to India because I was like, well, I don't have a job. I can't live here. Right? I'm not a citizen. Can't live here. I have to go back. And then obviously, as you say, even if you go back to India, your friends, your old friends in school, you're like, oh, so you're back, you know, great. So I guess it didn't work out. I mean, that's not what they said, but that's I, what I thought they were implying. They might or might not be saying that. It might be a story I was making in my head. But, you know, it was something like that. And I felt like a failure returning back. I was like, damn, I mean, it just wasted five years. Didn't get anything. So it was definitely devastating. Um, but then I used that devastation as like my motivation to say, hey, I'm not going to let this happen again. It's done. What were you telling yourself during that period where, because, you know, you're talking about one week expecting to hear back, then two weeks going by, three weeks going by, not hearing back, having to be brutally honest with yourself, and then having to apply at the smaller banks thinking, okay, I got to make the best of this. Yes, I'm very excited about this. And then really not hearing back from them, which I'm sure was a handful of weeks, probably feeling like an eternity. What were those private moments like? What were you telling yourself? Um, you know, looking back now, what I was saying to myself is probably not the right thing to say. But I, I, I always had the thing that, you know, like I'm going to have the last laugh. Like I'm going to prove it to them. Like I'm going to prove it to everybody. You know, they didn't hire me. That's their loss. Like I was very like aggressive in that. And I, I think that helped me because I, I never, like a lot of people feel sad. <laughs> they go down on themselves. They're like, oh, I didn't get it. Maybe I'm not good enough. You know, maybe I, I never had that thought occur that I'm not good enough. It was always, you know what? It's their loss. I'm going to prove it to them. I'm going to start my own thing. They're going to be begging to have me back and I'm not going to come back. <laughs> so it was very childish at that time, but it, I think it helped me. I think it worked in my favor because I was never feeling, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Never had those doubts. I was like, oh, that's their loss. They missed out. And I'm going to have the last laugh. They're going to see. They're going to find out. Where was this confidence? Because you're clearly a confident person. Uh, where was this instilled? Was it at a young age through your mother and perhaps your father and, and your family? Where was all that given? Yeah, I think it was for my family because, I mean, my father was very successful you know, as a business person. And I, I never had the thought that I'm not going to be good enough. I always thought I'm going to be very successful. Like, I always knew it. I said, okay, might not be the traditional way, right? Might not be, um, you know, in a very linear way, but I always knew that I'm going to be successful. Like, I just had that feeling inside me and never had the doubt. Maybe nowadays, sometimes I might get a little doubt here and there. Uh, but back in the day, I mean, I was like, there's no question, you know, I'm going to be the next big thing and they're going to regret it. It's so always had that. It's like the thing about proving yourself. So you are, you're the author of Prepping for Success, 10 Keys to Making It. What are some of those important keys? So one of the things we talked about earlier, we touched upon is, you know, discipline. Like that is key. You know, discipline is the biggest thing because, you know, knowing what to do is one thing, but then actually doing it involves discipline. Everybody knows what to do. Like I know if I want to lose 20 pounds right now, I know what I need to do. But the question is, are we doing it? You know, it's as easy as eat less and run more. That's pretty much it. But the question is, everybody knows that, but is everybody doing it? So taking action is one of those keys. You know, and there's so many people, it's not about finding the next diet, reading that next book, just eat less, run more. So the whole world knows that, but why are still people not doing it? Well, lack of discipline and lack of uh, taking action. So that's one of the keys. 
And the other one, the biggest one is integrity, which is doing what you said you were going to do and then doing it when you said you were going to do it. So it kind of ties in with discipline, but integrity is key because how you do something is how you do everything in life. So it could even be, well, people might say, well, I don't have a lack of integrity. I have, I put it in my calendar and I do everything. So there's no lack of integrity. Well, when's the last time a friend or somebody called you and he said, Hey, let me call you back in a little bit. And you didn't. When's the last time somebody texted you and you sent them a text back? Hey, just in the middle of something, let me get back to you. And you didn't for three days. When's the last time your parents called and you, you know, you said you're going to call them back, right? Did you make your bed in the morning? Right? Like all those things, integrity is everything in life, doing what you said you were going to do and then doing it when you said you were going to do it. Because think about it. If you did everything you said you were going to do, how would life be? Think about it for a second, right? It just changes if you did everything you wanted to do. I love the, I, I want to expand on the self-discipline part for a minute because it's so fascinating that, like you said, it's not about people not always knowing what to do. We know what needs to get done. We just justify all the reasons we don't or won't do it. Why do you think that is? Why do we make these excuses? Why, if, if we want to lose weight, as the example, if we want to achieve X, Y, and Z, we know what the steps are. Why do we resist? Few reasons. Well, number one, because you don't have accountability. There's no accountability for your breaking of integrity. Like if you break your integrity, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. But are you really sorry? Because, you know, when people say, like in my organization, my employees, none of them are allowed to say I'm sorry. They're supposed to say, here's what happened. Here's what I should have done. And going forward, here's what I'm going to do to ensure that doesn't happen again. Because now you have a model. Okay. No reason to be sorry. Sorry doesn't cure anything. Sorry doesn't fix anything. It's probably going to happen again if you say sorry. Right? People say sorry all the time. It's like, what am I putting in place to ensure that doesn't happen again? Okay. I did not go to the gym today. I should have gone. Okay. Great. But now what am I putting in place to ensure that doesn't happen again? Could it be scheduling it on your calendar? Could it be keeping the shoes right under your bed so you wake up and you put on the shoes and you go first thing in the morning? Like, what are you putting in place to ensure that doesn't happen again? That's one of the keys. Um, and another people, the accountability is lack of, um, you know, people, most people don't do it because of that. So some of the traders, we say, if you break your trading plan, you donate 50 bucks to like a charity that you don't like. Some, some cause that you don't like, you know, you got to donate. So if you're a Democrat, donate 50 bucks to Republican if you break your rules. Right? If you're a Republican, you donate to Democrats if you break your own rules. Like something accountable, right? Um, and that's one of the things. And the other things I would say is, um, you know, people might have some limiting beliefs, you know, of maybe they're not good enough. Maybe they don't deserve it. And you got to cure that. And also, why do you want to do something? And the reason needs to be emotional. It has to have a charge. You know, it has to have a charge. If it's something I want to be successful, well, why? You know, well, I want to make money. Well, why do you want money? Well, um, I never had it before. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. You know, okay, never had it before, but why? Well, because when I didn't have it, I felt X, Y, and Z. And, you know, giving, giving me the money gives me the freedom. And uh, why do you need the freedom? Well, I want to spend more time with my kids. Why do you want to spend time with kids? Well, because my parents never spent time with me. Now that has an emotional charge. And now you remember that why every time you want to break your rules. So find the why that makes you cry. 
Oh man, I love that. I love, I totally get it. I embrace it. I agree with it, finding your why. And like you said, it's, it's not just, oh, I, uh, why? Because I want to make more money. No, go 10 layers deep and then you'll find the real meat, the real emotion behind it. Anmol, what advice would you give yourself looking back? Maybe at college age, maybe prior, what comes to mind? Um, what comes to mind is that there's nothing, nothing to fear. You know, like you should go in and try everything you want because you're never going to regret the things you did, but you're always going to regret the things you didn't do. So do everything, even if you fail at it, because failure is not opposite of success. Failure is part of success. So it's, it's a constant thing. So I, and there's a lot of things that I was fearful of as a kid. I should have gone in all, you know, I should have not been fearful because it's part of the process of achieving success. I love how you say the uh, failure is, is not the opposite. It certainly is. It's part of it. You read anybody's story, there's a ton of failure. How do you view failure for yourself? I mean, failure, I think I think it as a stepping stone. You know, like, I, I, if, like there's a saying like, you know, uh, nine out of 10 businesses fail. You know, that's why I started 10. <laughs> so it's like, failing is part of success. Like you got to go through failure and you're only, you know, this is more spiritual, but you're only taken through stormy waters when the universe knows you can handle it. That's it. And you got to just go through the failure door and then the next door will be success, but there's no success without failure. And for the record, I'm all for spiritual. So don't hold back on that realm. Mm -hmm. What, what mantra do you live by today? Um, I live by just integrity. That's the key because without integrity, nothing works. And with integrity, everything works. You know, that's one of the biggest mantras and it's not going to be always doable. So I want to, you know, let people know that it's don't beat yourself up if you have a break of integrity. If you said you were going to do something you didn't do, don't beat yourself up on it. Just say, okay, here's what happened. And here's what I'm putting in place to ensure that doesn't happen. That's it. No need to feel sad. No need to be go down. No need to, have that thought stuck in your head for 10 minutes. Just, okay, here's what happened. Here's what I'm going to put in place so that doesn't happen again. And that's it. The whole life changes with integrity. It's so true. It's all about taking responsibility. And like you said earlier, owning it and being responsible for your actions. And what's been a big eye-opening change for me is, like you said, not living in the past. If something happens, own it, accept it, figure it out, learn, grow from it. And what do you do? Move on. The more you harp on it and let it take over your thoughts, you know what happens. It's in the past, the past, the past. Go forward. Live in the now, in the present. It's such made all the difference for me. Do you, do you believe that everything happens for a reason? 110%. And that is actually the 10th key in my book. It's called the silver lining, which is so everything in life has a silver lining and a bright side to it. Now, you might not see it at the time that you're going through it. You will see it later because now I see the silver lining. I mean, back at, I was you know, crying in my dorm room. I'd never got a job. Well, I'm proud to say I've never had a job even till date. Till date, I have not worked for anybody. I've worked for a trading firm, but I'm not trading my own capital, right? Never worked for anybody. And if I had a job at that time, I might still be there, right? It never would have allowed me the freedom to become a trader. If I never became a trader, LiveTraders.com wouldn't have started. 
LiveTraders.com wouldn't have started, all the multiple other real estate and stuff I'm doing with my trading income, that wouldn't have happened. So nothing would have happened. I would still probably be at a job, you know? So there's a silver lining to that. And, you know, growing up as a kid, maybe I was shy. Maybe I was not the most popular. But now I see that what that motivation it gave me to succeed. Right now I see the silver lining. So every, Tony Robbins says it best. You know, life happens for you. Life doesn't happen to you. So life doesn't happen to you. Everything happens for you. So that's the thing. Everything will have a silver lining. Now you might not see it at that very time, but it will become clear as the years progress. I hear you speaking loud and clear. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? I'm definitely spiritual. I might not be religious. Like I don't follow like guidelines, but I'm very spiritual. I believe in spirituality. I've meditated. I've had experiences where you can't deny spirituality, right? So spirituality, I'm, I'm a full believer in that. And uh, again, doesn't need, people don't need to believe in it. It's something that I believe in it. And it gives me power. It gives me, um, you know, the ability to calm down, get one with myself, or really know yourself. So for me, spirituality is about knowing yourself more than anything else. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on this earth is over? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, hard one to say, you know, because nobody really knows for sure. But, you know, um, I would say it's, it's going to be a big psychedelic trip it's gonna be like a dmt if you ever research on that you know it's gonna be one of those you go through these tunnels it's just gonna be nobody knows what's the end of what's at the end of it but i know for sure that the consciousness lives on that i know for sure you know and again you can't prove it but that i know for sure that you might lose the physical body but you're still going to be existing you might lose the memories you might lose everything you have right now physically right you will lose that you're going to lose the thought process, but the consciousness, the soul, the essence of you, that continues to live on. And that's my personal belief. You have any fear around that? Um, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I don't, sometimes I do, but I, I would say it's not really a fear. It's, it's the, it's what you don't know that you don't know. Right. So it's like some things, you know, in life for sure, some things you don't know. And this is kind of the unknown. So I, I think it's just an experience and you take it as it goes. There's no past, future, present. It's now and what happens will still be now. So, I mean, it, the fear, yeah, you know, there's a fear of unknown, but then it could also be taken as excitement, you know, it's a new journey. And how is your experience today? Are you ecstatic? Are you loving every moment? Uh, not every moment. You know, some moments can be frustrating. You know, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm loving it. And overall, I have a plan that I want to get to. So every day is not easy. You know, every day is a struggle. Every day is a struggle to maintain your integrity. Every day, there's a struggle to do what you want to do. Every day, there's going to be that struggle. But I think that's, that's life. That's part of life. You know, but you gotta love the process. If you love the process, these are just hurdles that you cross through, you jump through. You know, some people bang their head against the hurdle and they fall down. Well, you can go under it, you can go over it, you can go beside it. There's a lot of different ways to enjoy life. Hmm. What exactly is next for you? Well, next for me, um, well, I recently started a, um, like a, it's an auto, it's a physical business, my first physical business, because I've always been trading and then education and seminars and then real estate. But now I have a physical uh, facility here. It's a car service center. 
So it's like a 10,000 square feet. I got a lot of employees in there. It's like my first uh, proper, I would say, business physical. Um, that's next for me. You know, it's growing every day. We're doing 10, 20,000 a week in sales. So now my goal is to get that to at least 50, 100,000 a week in sales. And then we can start doing well. So that's my goal um, right now for that store to grow that and then maybe get another two, three, four and just expand from there. Absolutely fascinating. I'll leave you with this final question. Anmol Singh, how, sir, would you like to be remembered? I would, you know, I don't know, to be honest with you. That's something that's a very good question. Maybe I got to meditate on that this evening. But uh, that's something that I'm not too clear on. You know, I don't know um, how I want to be remembered, but I definitely want to be remembered as a person with integrity. You know, that's something that I live for. So a person of integrity and person of discipline, that's what I want to instill in others and in myself. So that's what I would be like to know. This has been extraordinary for me. I hope the same for you. And I hope the same for everybody listening. Anmol, if somebody wants to continue this dialogue and get in touch with you, how can they best do that? Sure. So the best way would be on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my username on those, and we can probably put it in the show notes, is at Delta90. It's all spelled out. D-E-L-T-A-N-I-N-E-T-Y. So Delta90 on Instagram and Twitter is the best way to keep in touch. Uh, apart from that, if you're interested in trading, then you can head on to www.livetraders, L-I-V-E-traders.com. And then if you're learning, uh, looking to learn more about the book, then you can go to uh, preppingforsuccess.com slash book. And then you can get some free chapters of the book in there. And then, um, you know, we'll take it from there. I'll keep you posted on how the book's coming along. Absolutely fantastic. Anmol, I am so thrilled we got a chance to have this dialogue. Thank you for spending your time. Everybody tuning in. I hope you feel this has been time well spent. With that, we will carry on through next week. Have a fantastic day. Do your best. And until next time, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.